3: even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. All right, everybody. Welcome back into One Off Wednesday, a live edition of the Six Rings and Football Things podcast here on WEI and for Odyssey Sports. I am Mike Cadlick, and I am joined by my partner in crime, WEI's Andy Hart. Andy, how are you doing today? How is your Wednesday? How is your one-off Wednesday? How are we doing?
1: also got Bo in the background yeah we got Bo
3: there too chilling on the uh chilling on the old bet so
1: didn't seem overly interested but uh I'm ready to bring
3: his five prospects today then
1: no I don't Uh. think Bo has a lot of interest in things other than tennis balls that's okay that's fair um Uh. no I'm I'm ready I um I feel like so we started this last week with free agency we're now rolling into senior bowl discussion like I feel like the offseason's picking up a little steam here. It's been slow to grab traction here in New England where we're still um, have a lantern out and are seeking and looking for in the dark of the night an offensive coordinator. But um, we do have some coaching to talk about, some advancement in the offseason. Let's start with that before we get into uh before we get into Senior
3: Bowl week down in Mobile because you're right woke up uh this morning. Well, no, I was awake, but I saw the uh saw the old rap sheet notification and we get a Jeremy Springer hire as the next special teams coordinator. So, he takes over for Cam Accord, uh, a coordinator in New England who frankly has struggled uh, since he's been here. Uh even with the help of Joe Judge last year, the the unit wasn't great. So, Mayo comes in, clears house on really all three sides of the ball and now we have a uh, assistant coach from the Rams, one Jeremy Springer uh, taking over the unit. I was listening a little bit to our friends Gresh and Fourier this morning. Gresh was having a field day on the fact that he is a friend of McVeigh guy and that the only reason they brought him in is because he smelled McVeigh shoes and whatnot down there. So uh, I'm just curious your thoughts on the hire, what you make of it, uh, if you like it, if you don't like it, and where we're at, I guess, because now we have a head coach in Mayo, a DC in Covington, special teams coordinator in Springer. So Still waiting on the O.C. So
1: your thoughts on Springer and then where the O.C. searches at, too. First of all, I'm an expert on obnoxious, and I think that Gresh guy can be obnoxious sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. It's, um, is, uh, is he the only obnoxious Andy at the station, or is nope, there – No, nope, any good? <laughs> nope, not at all. Um, I do find it kind of funny that we're still looking for an offensive coordinator and they hire a Sean McVay special teams assistant. It's like, yeah. you're close. You're so close. I, I... Yeah, you don't quite there. get there. And I know some of his numbers for his unit haven't been great the last couple of years. Matt Gay had a good year a couple of years ago, and Mm -hmm. all you DVOA people are not happy with some of the adjustments. But the the reality is, I think we all wanted a new special teams um, coordinator, Breath of Life. I mean, I think people would have taken Matthew Slater if you just announced he was going to coach anybody. Um, So I think that's that's fine. I, I did laugh at it myself in that, he looks like a McVeigh assistant, like with he the, looks like Sean McVeigh. <laughs> yeah. He's got like the not the beard, but the the scruff or whatever, the trimmed beard look. And he looks like he probably wears tight pants and mm-hmm. like the whole Andrew Callahan,
3: Andrew Callahan posted like his philosophy earlier. There was like a snippet from an article. It was like, we bring high energy and we like, we attack it every day. And it just feels like that upbeat, like crazy Sean McVay energy for
1: sure. And I feel like he probably melds into the youthful modern culture that Gerard Mayo is creating because Mm -hmm. like, I come from a world. Like I always thought special teams coaches were kind of like mean, angry old cusses. It's organized chaos. It's somebody who yells and, but football's going in a different direction, including in the kicking game. It's A, it's not as chaotic and violent and, and all of that. Um, and B, it's probably more youthful. So I'm not going to pretend that I know a lot about Springer's philosophies. I, I'm very happy that there's a change. I didn't – this is going to sound disrespectful. I just was never overly impressed with Cam Acord and his coaching. No, me either. His explanation. It's not disrespectful. It's, I mean, it's like, just what it – yeah, right. It's what yeah, it was. Yeah, like – I just, even in conference calls, it was times he'd be like, yeah, no, I don't know. Maybe like, he just didn't seem to have answers. They didn't play well. Like he seems like a good technician as far as special
3: teams go, like knowing, you know, where to be and what to do, which was great when he was a special teams coach and, or a a position coach rather, like, you know, knowing what certain guys have to do on certain plays, but putting
1: it all together, clearly just, it didn't work. Didn't work. So. Change will do you good, right? As Mm -hmm. Cheryl Crow would say. So I'll take the change, hope that it's for the better, hope that it's more youthful. Um, certainly hope that a it starts out with his kicker. If his kicker is still here, that's gonna be one of his jobs, right? Is to figure out is Chad Ryland staying? And if Chad Ryland's staying, how do I make Chad Ryland a productive harness the talent? Um, because I found it funny. So as we delve between special teams and then into our prospect things. So every yes. year I do my Andy Hart, big board that I'm holding oh. up on the screen now, just print it, had it printed and picked it up at Staples this morning Look with that. all my prospects at every position. But when I was going through that, looking at last year's, I realized I had Chad Ryland and Bryce Beringer ranked number one each at kicker and punter. All right. Both ended up with the Patriots, very different rookie seasons. And yes. so Jeremy, not Jerry, Jeremy Springer's first duties to me are maximizing those two guys. Like obviously there's all the other stuff and probably asking him to do more with less, probably asking him to not have like 10 guys who make $2 million each playing special teams as veteran roles, whatever. But I think his first order of business is probably to make sure Behringer and Ryland are the base of the kicking game for the next Mm -hmm. six, eight, 10 years, hopefully. So that's a long-winded way of I'm about as excited as I can get about a special teams coordinator who I know nothing about. Right, I'm with you. I mean, I don't necessarily think it's a bad hire. Like you said, people jump on the
3: the, D, the DVOA the DVOA holes. I think some people call them. Yeah, uh, said I that, like that. Yeah, said that. Uh, you know, it was a bad hire because his unit was this, that, and the other thing in L.A. And it's like let's, you know, let's give the guy a chance. Clearly, he went in the room and they saw something from him. So, like again, pe- people will jump down throats at hires, and I get it to an extent with some of them. Like. Maybe Adam Gase's second, you know, tread in New York wasn't the best move. But again, if these guys go in and you know say the right things and impress enough in an interview, they can persuade you and you know make you believe. And if that's what he can do and he can come in here and do some good, then so be it. I think it is an upward trajectory from a court.
1: Plus, I I mean, it's of the, all the decisions that are being made this offseason, it is pretty low on the list. I mean, you have GM quarterback, head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive like be a while before I If the season hinges, I'll say this, if the season hinges on Jeremy Springer and his kicking game, I think the Patriots are better in 2024 than I expect them to be. Because if you're, if you're worrying about special teams, it means you're in like important games and having key plays. And I hope they're in games like that where a field goal or a tackle or a return matters. And if you're worried about that too, then you're not worried about the OC hire, which means,
3: oh, it was fine. It's all well and good. Right. Right. yeah, right now that's definitely uh, up in the air as they've now interviewed 11 guys. I think the pool is down to six with Gerard Johnson and Thomas Brown, both taking uh, new jobs slash previous jobs yesterday. So uh, just two seconds before before we really dive into, you know, Patriots new and the potential Patriots here in the Senior Bowl. Thoughts on the OC hire as it sits today?
1: Um, Well, the Thomas Brown thing, did I read correctly? He's taking a quarterback's coach Passing job? game. Passing game, Passing game.
3: Yeah, okay. So not a not an offensive coordinator. Nope, he's going to work with Shane
1: Waldron in Chicago under him. So either, either he you didn't offer him the coordinator job, or he didn't want to be your coordinator. Bingo. He'd rather be a passing game coordinator. Like I just, it's what I said the other day when it was at nine, and it's like when does due diligence cross over into can't find somebody? Right, <laughs> and we're getting I'm, there. We're definitely I, getting there. Yeah, I think you said like once it gets into double digits, that's probably Correct. starting. Well, we're in double digits and. The double digits are paring themselves down by going elsewhere, taking other jobs, taking themselves out of the running. So um, I, I know some people have said, well, maybe it's somebody from one of the the, the teams that were involved in the playoffs and that's slowed that maybe that's optimistic sure. or maybe they're struggling to find somebody. And that is very pessimistic on my part. So I am, as we transition now into the shrine bowl and the senior bowl, you need a coach. You need a staff. You need a scheme. You need I, – I saw um, – I was listening to Daniel Jeremiah talk about how – I think this was on the Senior Bowl broadcast last night. Mm-hmm. You have to sound – the scouts are shopping for you as a coach and a coordinator, but you have to send them out with a grocery list. If they don't know what they're looking for, they can't buy you the groceries. And right. what groceries are we looking for offensively? I Like, what's the scheme? What's a – and I understand – you know, talent is talent and you want the most talented players, but. Right. And you can still see kind of what these guys do. And like you said, they're pros and cons and you make your list,
3: whatever. And then you can fit those guys into said offensive scheme once it comes down to it. But you're right to still have an eye for what these guys can do in a certain scheme. And if you're not watching for that, then you don't really know what you don't know. So. Right.
1: yeah. And I go back to the story I've talked a lot about. Uh, I'm sure you've seen this video clip of Les Sneed, Sean McVay talking about Puka Nakua and McVeigh is like he'll do this for me I know he'll get he'll block for me and I know he'll get run after like obviously they didn't foresee he was going to rewrite the rookie record books right but Sean McVeigh was very excited that as a third day pick Puka Nakua was perfect for them and Les Snead was like okay we'll go get you Puka Nakua like he did it it worked out like I think those conversations have to be had on some level and you got to start I know the draft isn't here Yep. But I I do think you're reaching the point where we need to poop or get off the pot with the coordinator thing and and pick a direction. Yeah. You got to have an identity on that side
3: of the football. And again, like it to say that they need to know exactly, you know, to say they need to know their first 10 plays of week one right now is obviously far fetched. But you you do need to kind of, you know, have a sense of what you're going to do and what guys you want to look at and who you want to fill out your
1: roster. So that's where we're at in the search. Um, And especially since as we transition here. Yes. So you asked me to come up with five players. I did. And coincidentally or not, all five of my guys are on? Offense. Offense. Yes, so they are. If we want to pick offensive players, we might want to get an offensive coach.
3: Exactly. I'm with you. So that let's do it. Four of my five guys are on offense. I felt like I needed to bring in one defender. So that's what I did. We'll get to it. He's my last guy. Um, so let's start. So what me and Andy did here to prep for this show a little bit is grab basically five prospects from the senior bowl pool who we have our eye on this week, and to sort of, you know, through a Patriots lens. And, you know, whether it really turns out that way or not, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see. But, like, what we like about them, what we want to see from them, and how they could potentially, you know, fit in and help the Patriots. And so, it's going to be some quarterbacks, wide receivers, offensive tackles, etc. A defender on my side, but that's kind of where we're at. So, me and Andy now, we'll basically just go back and forth, give you what we like, what we're, what we're looking for from these guys, and a little bit more about them. We're going to start with one who we did have one overlap. We had a couple, but I think I switched one up. But I did want to get to this guy specifically. So we're going to start with him because so far he hasn't had a great week. And that's Oregon quarterback Bo Nix. So Nix was obviously a stud last year, almost 5,000 yards, 45 touchdowns. uh, Was third in the Heisman voting, I believe, behind Daniels and Michael Penix. Um, So Andy, talk to me about Nix, why you're watching him. I mean, we're kind of watching him for the same reason. And it's because the Patriots need a quarterback. He could be that guy that if they don't go quarterback in the top three and they do go with a Marvin Harrison or if they go for a tackle or they trade back or whatever, this is sort of your second-tier quarterbacks list through most you know expert size that we are right now. So um, talk to me a little bit about Nick's and
1: uh, what you're kind of looking for him from this week. So, yeah, I mean, my list and the senior bowl talent pool is sort of that second-tier. The guys that you'd probably be considering with the number three pick aren't at the senior bowl, right? right? Like the quarterback, the three quarterbacks aren't there, the tackle, like the different people. So it's figuring out where the depth that those positions are. And we've already had not only Jim Nagy, but others talking about how tackles are super deep. You're going to have maybe a record. Daniel Jeremiah said maybe a record number of tackles in the first round. And Jim Nagy saying, you can probably get a starting tackle in the second round. Right. So it's figuring out who are those second tier for me, tackles, quarterbacks, wide receivers. And how do I stack my board or make my picks based on depth and maybe grabbing, you know, Oh, I, I think the quarterbacks are overrated. I watched Penix all week and I watched Knicks all week and they're not that good. We do need to pounce on one of the top three. Right. But I kind of fell in love with like five different tackles that I think one of them will be available either trade back into the late first round or when I pick second. So Nick's is the first one for me because I know you and others are high on Nicks that maybe I'm not he... a Knicks guy. Oh, so maybe Fitzy. Oh no, Fitzy's a... Fitzy. Yes, Keith. I was with Keith last night. Keith
3: and Fitzy are bonex guys. I'm not, but yes. I'm so, looked into the, the you people of that group.
1: Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> but even before like the last day plus, mm-hmm. I was seeing tweets and blogs about after this week, Nick's might be a top half of the first round pick, maybe even a top ten pick. And now, as you mentioned, through the first, whatever it's been, day and a half, two days of Senior Bowl, I keep finding him on lists of who's not showing up, who's not yeah. looking great, who isn't taking advantage, maybe the opportunity. And I don't want to, you know, this This reminds me a little bit when we do these camp casts in the summer and talk about training camp, and it's like right. two days of practices. This guy sucks. Well, it was two days of practices. Right. Can we relax for a minute? Because um, you look at what Bo Nix did. I was reading something that did like Auburn bow and Oregon bow. Like they're two different beings completely and like, different players. Yeah. And, and did he completely get rid of Auburn bow is Oregon bow the real deal? Like is the NFL bow going to be a blend of the two? That's not good. Like all of that. And he certainly isn't going to help himself if he has a bad senior bowl week, but we still have a couple days and then the game and the whole thing. Um, So I, I guess what I'm looking for, if I'm the Patriots, is I would start, my mentality would be, sell me on Bo Nix. There's three quarterbacks that I can consider, whichever one falls to me at three or trades, whatever. Sell me on Bo Nix. Sell me that Bo Nix is Oregon Bo Nix, that when Bo Nix is surrounded by talent everywhere, both sides, by the way, offense, defense, practice, that he should be in the conversation as a franchise quarterback. Because for me, he's a clear second-tier quarterback right right now. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024, brought to you by Team Mobile. You can count on Team Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.
3: Yeah, and I, I, I agree with everything you said as far as, you know, selling, selling that uh, Oregon Bo and not that you're going to regress to Auburn Bo And that's the kind of thing that you're going to look for when it's, you know, a different, I guess, pro-style offensive system because when he went to Oregon, you know, D- Dan Landing and that offense staff made it super easy for Bo Nicks. Like quick throws, you know, it was a, it was a, your typical like college, you know, spread eagle, spread offense type thing. And, you know, he did make a lot of easy throws and guys were running wide open and he was, you know, getting the ball out quick. And it wasn't like he was sitting back there taking a five step drop and having to read three or four, or five different coverages at once. He just didn't do that. And that's not necessarily a knock on him. That's just the reality of the situation. And so that's why senior bowl and pro days and meeting with these guys and picking their brands is so important. And you're right. That's kind of, again, that's the thing you have to look for in a guy like Bo Nix this week. And it's also something to get a look. Go ahead. No, I go. was
1: just, um, I apologize for No, you're good. showing you that I wanted to jump in. Um, no, that's fine. I was going to move to the next guy. So well, go ahead just a couple things on Nix here. Um, I don't, it doesn't necessarily bother me. Like if you tailor your, like they're going to be, building a new offense in new england so if right. they bring in bo Nix and say this is what we like this is what we're going to ask him to do one of the things that jumped out from me was a quote from dan lanning that said bo Nix is the most self-aware i think guy i've ever been around like he knows what he's good at he knows what he isn't good at like and that sort of jumped out to me in comparison to mac jones and everything that's happened with mac jones in recent you're like i'm not sure mac jones has been real self-aware I think at times he's been defensive. I think at times he's been fake. I think at times he has tried to do too much on the field. I know the mass live story was built yeah. around that idea that he tried to do too like, and that jumped out to me from Lanning to say that Bo Nix is real self-aware and he's so experienced. The other thing that jumped out to me in terms of the experience is, did you know that he beat, can you okay, actually let me pose it as a trivia question live here on the air. Um, who did Bo Nix beat in his first College game. Oh, I know it too.
3: It was that Auburn game. It. W- oh, Justin Herbert. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was What's the Justin Oregon. Herbert Auburn been doing yeah. for the
1: last three years. Exactly. Oh, he's in the NFL and he's already got like a three hundred million dollar. So that puts into perspective a how much collegiate experience Bo Nix got. Right. But that he's not an old coot. He and Justin, like obviously Justin Herbert has NFL experience already, but like, I just, I found that interesting in everything that goes into the Justin Herbert story. He's experienced he's 24 because he didn't redshirt or anything. He was like a a true freshman starter at Auburn. Um, But the self-awareness thing, like if he really is that, I think after the last three years we've learned, yes, talent matters and yes, surrounding talent and coaching matters. But I also think, um, the ability to overcome and work through adversity. Some of the things that I'm not sure Mac really had to do. It's funny because people, people attributed Mac having to wait his turn and win the job with adversity. And I'm not sure it really was. It was more behind the scenes timeline. Whereas he met adversity in new England, coaching changes, losing people being mean to him, people not talking to him, like his family getting booed out the building. Like, and I think Bo Nix this is weird, is probably more mentally prepared and mature to be an NFL quarterback based on the way his career has gone. So he went to, when he was at Auburn, his father had played at
3: Auburn and was right. like a stud, you know, the Knicks name and Auburn like held a lot of weight and he went there and he, frankly, he stunk. Like he wasn't very good. And so right. you're right. That adversary is, that adversity is crucial. The fact that he, you know, went, you know, elsewhere and was able to succeed and, you know, kind of throw, throw, uh, Auburn Bonix aside and build himself into this new guy. So. Um, that's that's kind of the story on Nick's, and that's why our eyes are on him. Before we move on to the group of wide receivers that we're both looking at, I didn't do Penix here, but I know you have Michael Penix on your list. So, talk a little bit about Michael Penix and also why you're watching him this week on top of Bo Nix. Because, and the, I want to before I hand it over to you, the reason I didn't really have him on my list is because for the Patriots, anyway, I am kind of focused on that top tier group of quarterbacks, like the you know the the Williams, Daniels, and May, obviously. Um, So I just picked one of the two and I went with Knicks over Penix here just for the sake of discussion. So talk to me about Michael Penix before we move on to the wide receivers.
1: So it's, it's similar to Bo Nix in that I think there's a clear differentiation between one, two and three, and then these next two. I also think there's probably a clear differentiation between these two and then the next guy. J.J. McCarthy is not tier two. I I don't think so. I know. And maybe he, I I don't know. Maybe he will, whatever, but yeah. So this is sort of the same thing. One of the things that intrigues me, obviously the health is going to be a a factor for Michael Penix between now and the combine and knee tests and shoulder tests and what they see him as. Um, But the other thing is like the athletic ability, because I know he didn't run much post ACLs. Mm -hmm. I think he can run. And I think you saw it a little bit against Michigan. There was a couple like draws or scrambles where I was like, huh, could he do this more than he has if he needs to? And if he feels more comfortable he's in the nfl and has a contract it's drafted whatever so athletically what he is he obviously has a great arm he obviously can sling it down the field as well as anybody in this draft he's obviously left-handed which i hold against him but i probably shouldn't yes. um i know you take that a great offense
3: well i <laughs> talked about it last night on keep show just take his tape and flip it. Go to your video editor. Flip it, and he looks like the best quarterback ever. Right now, it looks <laughs> he looks like a donkey, but that's just how it goes. It just looks silly, and you um, got to you got to flip your eyes.
1: Right. So you got that, but just and I'd also like because I know he had some comments this week about how he and Bo have kind of hit it off and they get yeah. along really well, even though people that might surprise people with the the rivalry in the Pacific Northwest and all that. Um, just that, like this is now a competition between him and Knicks, in my opinion, yeah. to be like that next guy. Um, and I think that's part of this process. Again, how they react to adversity or questions, um, reading some of the things and, and watching some of the clips coming out of, of mobile seems like he's gotten off to a better start down yeah. there in terms of throwing the ball. Um, I saw a couple different bloggers talking about how he was the best quarterback in the mix um, who Nick's was significantly better. There was one guy who was being brutal. I don't even know who he was, but his tweets kept popping up with Bo <laughs> Nix being like terrible, not doing, yeah. it, not, not well. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's sort of similar between the two, just how they compete, how they differentiate themselves, um, and, and what they're going to be like, how they fit. Again, I don't know the system, what you're looking for. I mean, if, I think if you're looking for a deep ball thrower, you're going with Michael Penix. I, I right. doubt that's what they're looking for um totally or or most importantly um but yeah i'd be interested and remember mac jones some of the fluff around him occurred at the senior bowl with the uh oh he had to kick him out of the meeting room or whatever in the hotel ballroom and blah like stories will come out about these guys for better or worse like how they're treating people things of that nature so i think that's all on the table yeah i'm with you um yeah, I would, That was one the one thing
3: I was going to say about Penix is just it, you will get thrown off as a lefty, and it really does look funny, and that's kind of why I feel like the stuff with Tua gets thrown out of performance. Like if you literally and people have done it, they flip the video, and Tua looks like an all star sometimes, and Michael Penix is the same way. Like you just you throw on the tape and you flip it backwards, and he throw he makes some throws that are just incredible. He has zip on the ball. He's like you said, he's a great deep ball passer. His accuracy is incredible. So it's really the injuries that people worry about. Right. Um, and so I guess you, you see, you know, you, you run through the medicals and so you go there and that's the important thing at these showcases too, is not only do you see them on the field, but you interview them, you get their heights and weights, you do your medical testing. And so really, we we'll well, get a big hand,
1: right? Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah,
3: exactly. So, uh, that's the, uh, that's the tale of the quarterbacks. Let's get into wide receiver. I'm going to give you my two and then we'll flip to your guy. Um, and really the reason I'm looking at these two guys is they're sort of, and I think day two, maybe one guy can sneak into day one. Um, And it's sort of that it's not, it's the second tier, obviously under guys like Marvin Harrison, Roma Dunze and um, Malik neighbors from LSU and two guys I'm watching here. Number one is Roman Wilson from Michigan Uh five eleven, I believe. So a little, maybe six foot. He's a little on the shorter side. He's not your typical Marvin Harrison style player as far as, you know, big, long target, but man, the guy can move, and he is having a great start to this week. Um, shifty guy, athletic, you know, I think he he's pretty good after the catch as well. He's made a couple snags this week. He shakes off defenders, and so um, guy who J.J. McCarthy had success with this season, he was Michigan's leading receiver, national champion, um, all that good stuff. And so you look at wide receiver classes in the last, you know, four or five years in the NFL like some of the best guys in the league are second, third, fourth round picks. It's not necessarily the top of the draft guys. Obviously, you have, you know, your Zay Flowers and um, like, I'm just trying to think of first round, like Odell Beckham Jr. and Julio right. Jones. Like those were Jamar first Chase, round picks. Jamar Chase. Yeah, yeah. But the other guys, man, like Cooper Cup and obviously Puka Nakua now, Tyreek Hill, uh, you, you, they, this is a deep position and it's been deep for quite a while. And so you can get one of these guys on day two and three. So Roman Wilson, number one. And number two is Ladd McConkie, the Georgia kid. I don't know if you saw some of the clips the last couple weeks, but if this was 20, call it 14, the Patriots might draft Ladd McConkie in the first round. Like a absolute freak at the point of attack. And not really point of attack, but more so point of defender. Like gets off guys, shakes, again, same with Wilson, but shakes off defender, a crisp route runner, guy you can play in the slot. Um, He measured in at 5'11", which again, he just looks like the perfect blend of like, Julian Edelman Cooper cup where they just know how to run routes and they find the spots in the zones. And he impressed me as well. And he's a guy who I think people, he he didn't have a great year. I think he only, you know, had 400 yards this season. It was still his best year at Georgia and, you know, Georgia's offense isn't necessarily jumping off the page numbers wise, but he is like a very, very crisp route runner and a guy who I could see them potentially bring in on day two or three. He, he, he has really impressed through two days as well.
1: So, this falls into the the Jim Nagy comments I mentioned earlier um, when he was on with Fourier and myself on our yeah. station a couple weeks ago where he was talking about receivers and raving about them. And again, he raves about everything because he's the senior bowl director and all that, but he was talking about the ability to get impact receivers in the third round, maybe even to the third day of the draft. And it was guys like this that I think he had in mind, uh, filling out the depth of this class. The one thing I'll ask you before I bring up my guy, because yeah. I like both your guys and I think, you're right. I mean, th- there's there's going to be a million receivers drafted mm-hmm. at various points, and there's going to be some really good ones that go second, third, fourth, fifth round, Pukunikua, like th- all these guys. Yep. My question is just watching the last two days of highlights. Yep. Are the corners not that good? Because I see a lot of corners getting toasted off the line by a lot of these quick, shifty, like – So Ooh. my take on
3: it is – and it's it's biased, I guess, because you look at these clips and it's like, oh, the wide receivers are nasty. Uh, one on ones are very they favor wide receivers heavily. Sure, like, cornerbacks like have a tough time in one on one. So no, I don't necessarily think the corners are bad. I just think they're vulnerable in a competition that is you know put on display. I keep looking up on my TV because I'm still watching Senior Bowl. Like it's right. it's it just doesn't help cornerbacks. I think there are a couple good guys in the class still, and I just think that it's you're better off you know being a receiver at the Senior Bowl for one on ones.
1: Right, because I saw the Wilson. Wilson's been making a bunch of plays, beating yeah. guys off the line, and then my guy, um, Ricky Pearsall, out of Florida. Yeah. Who? So just doing research, he was Florida's guy. Like numbers don't jump off the the charts for you at Florida. I think he had like sixty something catches, nine hundred yards, whatever, a few touchdowns. But I think he's in the mold you just talked about, just a route runner, yeah. uh, change of direction kind of guy. Really good hands, like the things that I think are kind of classic Patriots attributes. Right, yeah. like. Can he get open? Can he catch the football? Ricky Pierce saw Ken. Um, he's been doing it there. I, I went, I was watching some of his clips. Again, little doo doo, and he's gone. Like, doo doo, mm-hmm. and he's gone. And you're like, the corner's now chasing. And I was like, wow. Is he a good receiver? Is that corner probably destined to not be in the NFL very long, if at all? Kind of. And thing. all three guys, you mentioned the separation. Like, this is exactly
3: what the Patriots need. They haven't had a yes. true separator. Like, yeah, it was Demario Douglas was good at it. But besides that, you talk about Parker and Smith and even really Kendrick Bourne was okay this year, but like they need that true separating
1: wide receiver. And these guys aren't like I think both your guys you said were were 5'11. I think yeah. Pearsall is actually 6'1. Like they're not just the classic Patriot 5'9. Right. slot guy they're probably a little bit more versatile than that and I know the Patriots kind of got away from that classic guy maybe to a detriment to the offense in recent years right. Um, but just just watching Pearsall he's been again as as I trust others to kind of bring back information and summarize practices he's yep. popped up in a lot of practice reports with a lot of par- positive reviews uh, of what he's been been doing down there although I will say so we just talked about three receivers who are all off to a nice start on the practice field whatever might have a good senior bowl week um but this is where i think having an offensive coordinator having a scheme having a plan of attack at a position of need to really differentiate between oh yeah all three of those guys had a good week yeah they're they're all draftable they're all mid-round picks well we need to stack them we need to differentiate and that's where the details of our offense or what you look for in an offense would jump in so to get back to that idea like time to figure out what you're doing offensively yeah exactly so that's the uh that's the group of Roger
3: Sears before we get into tackle and my one defender uh a little bit of head coaching news in the NFL Gerard Mayo no longer the youngest head coach in football as the Seahawks just hired Mike McDonald from the Ravens any any quick quick thoughts and we don't have to get into it as the Seahawks but another uh destination too where Bell Belichick will not go
1: Yes. So I think we all assumed he wouldn't go there. Originally, it was the Dan Quinn rumors Mm -hmm. to Seattle. Now Mike McDonald takes that job. As you mentioned, another example of it's a young man's game. Sorry, Bill. Sorry, Pete. Sorry, you guys. It's a it's a young man's game in the NFL now. Um, One of the few because we talk about defensive coaches and coordinators and it's mostly an offensive league. So Seattle has had the longtime defense. And that's interesting, too. New England had longtime defensive coach, sticks with defensive coach despite right. the firing. Seattle has longtime defensive coach successfully, sticks with the defensive side of the ball. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't – not a ton of – and certainly he did a great job for the Ravens this year. I right. think he had talent. Um, and if anybody in that game for that purple and black team fell on their face from a coordinator position, it was not him. It was his teammate, Todd Munkin, who I thought yeah. could not have sucked more – uh, in that we were game. talking so, about that
3: last night on on keith and i i saw a stat where they only ran one like true running back one run after the five minute rock in the first he, the first play. and it was what was they it was the terrible all season yeah
1: i thought he was if you were going to do like the biggest loser of championship weekend mm-hmm. todd munkin
2: was
1: bad Oh and yeah, i know yeah. like it'll fall on lamar it'll fall on the, the team as a whole yep i'd like to see it if you put a different person in that role I think that's a very winnable game for them. Like that no, was winnable you. and, and yep. he sucked, but good for Mike McDonald. Sorry, Gerard. You're not young anymore. You're old. You're like yep. the rest of Too us. Too bad. You're old <laughs> fart. Um.
3: All right. So that's the quick coaching news. Let's get into the last four prospects we have here. We got three tackles and one defender uh, on my sheet. I'll start with the tackle, flip it to you for your two last guys, the two tackles. I'll give my defender and then we'll get out of here on this quick hitter. One off Wednesday here on six rings. So, Offensive tackle I'm looking at here, Houston's Patrick Paul, another guy who is a beast, six foot seven, three hundred and thirty-five pounds, like just a guy who I I look at, you know, again, I'm I'm sort of it's the senior bowl, so it's not the true I mean, it is top prospects, but it's not your, you know, top 15 guys necessarily. Right. There's maybe one or two. And so I'm looking at that 34th pick and maybe even that 67th pick that they have is kind of the range as to where you want to look and maybe try and place these guys for the Patriots. And Patrick Paul fits right in that range because he's not up there with, um, JC Latham from Alabama or Joe alt necessarily, or even like, um, what's it like Troy fatano. He's kind of in that, uh, the kid from Washington, like that sort of range here. And I've been watching him this week a little bit and he just looks good on tape. He's stiff. He's like, he, he, stands in and can you know take on the rush from some of these great dns that are out there and the dn who who i'll get to after is someone who i think they matched up once or twice and i think paul kind of beat him once and uh latu who the guy i just you know i just spoiled it but uh, the kid from UCLA beat him another time and so patrick paul bring him in as your left tackle uh trent brown obviously isn't going to be here they're going to have a need on the offensive line if even if they re-sign mike on one like you still need your next generation left tackle here in foxborough and if you're not going to go with one in the early first round, Patrick Paul potentially working his way into the back end of the first round. But if you need a guy,
1: you have some ammo, you go get him. I think Patrick Paul's perfect for that. So um, along those lines would trend into my next two guys because yep. I think you and I are kind of like-minded and there's a lot of focus in what Gerard Mayo told us to focus on, quarterbacks, tackles, and wide receivers. Appreciate right. that, Coach, for the heads up to yeah. uh, know what we're looking for. Made, made um, show prep very very easy. Yep. And, and I, I just did a hit with Gresham Fourier, and mm-hmm. I said, we were talking about um, modern offenses and the fact that Fourier pushed back against you know what is a yeah. modern offense quote unquote, which I loved because I think too many people throw around that term and other terms without really defining them or having True. any definition of them. And I, And we both agreed that one thing that makes a modern offense is talent. And right. For a guy like Marvin Harrison, I said he could step on any field for any team. And he's going to play. He's going to be a key player, whether that's – if he had stayed in college, he could have transferred to any school in the country. He'd be a yep. stud. He's going to be a stud in the NFL. I kind of want the same thing at tackle for the Patriots. I, I don't really want to be convincing myself that this um, Isaiah Wynn type – no, no, his arms really are long enough. He's not short. He's not a guard. Cole Strange isn't a guard. He could have I'm been I'm watching Patrick Paul. I'm watching my my guy Patrick Paul right now, actually. So he's lined up. So is he yeah, a teams. Is See a Pauler yeah. instead of a mauler in the run yes. game?
3: Yes, exactly. Good. But um we um, did our tiers last night. I filled in on tiers. He hasn't tweeted it out yet, but we were trying to find the names of the tiers, and I just couldn't get to your level of like creativity at all. It was tough.
1: We'll I'll have him tweet it out later, but it's a gift and a curse. Yeah. <laughs> um, so along those lines, you mentioned six foot seven beast. Yep, um, I get a six foot seven beast myself, Tyler Guyton. Okay. Out of uh, Oklahoma um, former H back one of those sort of athletes that grew too much and they were like well you're kind of a tackle now um, and I think he because of that he's still a work in progress yep. um, but I think he has freakish upside athletic ability just watching some of his clips like I always look in tackle especially in pass rush drills guys that seem to be um, calm uh, yeah like I used to call Darrell Revis the Cadillac cornerback because he wasn't like all over the place. It was like, cool, calm, collected. Smooth. I'm not worried. You're going to beat me. I know what right. I'm doing. And I like tackles that do the same, that look like they're not freaking out when they're, yeah. their arms situation. aren't going
3: everywhere. And they're trying right. to get their
1: angles. That, right. Yeah. Right. It's like measured and, and, and confident and consistent Correct. and all of those yeah. things. And I think that it's, it's easier for big long guys to do that. Like they have more room for error because guess what? I'm six, seven. I have a massive wingspan. You're not getting by me. Right. Um, so Guyton is one of those guys. And then a little bit smaller. Uh, Tyler
3: but- Guyton, Tyler Guyton, I just read uh, earlier, zero sacks allowed in 2023, according to PFF. Yeah. So that's, and that's a stout MF.
1: Just tell me the stat. Don't tell me according to PFF, because they say Yeah, suck. sorry. Because um, they were the ones that told me Aaron Dobson never, I think it was them, never dropped a football before he oh, came good. to the Patriots. <laughs> and then I watched his uh, tape, and yep. I, like, five minutes into watching tape of him. He had a drop in them. Like you told me he never dropped it. I just watched yep. him drop one. So what do you tell ta- um, zero sacks I- allowed? Doesn't matter where it came from. Right. Um, and Jordan Morgan out of uh, Arizona, another uh, left tackle type six, five. So undersized mm-hmm. from the six, seven guys, but again, a big, long, tall. And it's sort of like the quarterbacks. If I, if I don't, go tackle early which i don't want them to go tackle early i'm buying into the marketing campaign of jim nagy and say i can get a starting tackle in the second round which by the way has been part of the patriot way over the years matt light and sebastian volmer and those guys they got starting caliber tackles in the second round and volmer would be a little bit of my gut like seeing how volmer filled out a uniform and filled out a suit in his mm-hmm. career and not, you can't tell now. Cause he's a skinny twig since he right. retired, <laughs> became a model. Um, but that's what I'm looking for. I don't want fat guys. I don't want short guys. I want a lean, mean, you can still be 300 pounds, but just carry it. Well, look like an athlete. And I think both of these guys reading reports, um, yep. seems like Guyton maybe has had the better week so far than Morgan. Um, if I'm reading some of the one-on-ones and the practice drills and those things, yeah. But I I think – and we'll see in the games um, how much action they get, where, left tackle, versatility. Um, I know Matt Light was only 6'4". First of all, Matt Light was not a great tackle in my mind. He was a very good tackle, and there is a difference. I don't think – I know he's a Patriot Hall of Famer, and they won Super Bowls and all that. But I'm looking for my Tyron Smith. I'm looking for my, like, prototypical big badass – I'm taking a quarterback with the third pick yeah. and I'm taking the guy that's gonna be his space. And they're gonna to be together forever. Yes.
2: Right. Because
1: we already saw Mac get ruined. Again, I posted yep. the column today. I'm sick of all the excuse making. But it's great some column, of it by the true. way. I, I liked it. I'm a Mac guy and it was it was good. Good work. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um see that that I appreciate because I know you are a Mac guy. When Chris Scheim uh, texts me and goes, Good column this morning, I was yeah, like, Yeah, oh, right. Man, you hate yeah, Mac, obviously. obviously. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, so I appreciate you saying that, but no. So I want, I want a prototypical tackle and, mm-hmm. but I, I'm greedy. I don't want a prototypical tackle that I have to take in the top 10. So if you can find me a six foot seven athletic beast who I can take at 34, yep, sign me up.
3: I love it. And I'm with you. And that's again, that's why my eyes are on Patrick Paul too. Cause th- th- these three guys are that sort of again, second tier, but can, like you said, and what Nagy told you and Christian last week, like, there, there's guys in this goal in this bowl game. And you talk about Jim Nagy, he is like the perfect PR machine for the senior Love bowl. It. If you read yep. his tweets, he's great. And it's, but it's just, it's funny how he really props them up and he's doing his job right and he gets everybody talking about them. So, and uh, I don't think
0: are. he lies. No, I don't like, think so
1: either. You know what I mean? Like he, he, he um, emphasizes or magnifies the positive, but sure. I don't think he, like he's not going to tell you a guy has good feet if he doesn't. Right. Like he'll find an, he'll, another positive for that guy. He'll find like, oh, strong hands or whatever. Um, but you're right. He, I, I think this is for a guy who loves football, clearly. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great role for him. And yeah. and I buy it. Now, sometimes I regret it. You know, Mac Jones is Mac Jones. and, and But I, people go back to Stidham because uh, Jim was a Stidham guy. Yeah. But he didn't necessarily say he was great. He said, boy, can he spin it? He can throw a pretty ball like that. And he can. Like, right. Maybe some of the other stuff's an issue, but he didn't lie. He told you what his strengths are. Exactly. Yeah. So and and, th- and they're not going to say anything negative because then that puts
3: a bad light on the Senior Bowl itself. Right. You know, we, we don't bring in bad guys here. And, and so again, right. he's not lying. He's just not telling the entire truth. Right. But um, all right, one last prospect from the Senior Bowl before we get out of here to look look at through a Patriots lens. One defender. He's on my list. It's defensive end. Uh, Liatu. Lai- I think Liatu Latu. I don't know Why how to would say it first. Pick somebody
1: you can't say. Because
3: he's really good and he fills a position of need. He's a defensive end. He's from UCLA. He's experienced. He's played four seasons out there. And the last two years, he had 10 and a half sacks in 2022 and 13 last year. He also had two interceptions from the defensive end position this year. And I just look at the defensive line. What? What's the look? No, no, no. Well, you, you're you very defensive. You should be more well, confident in your opinion. I am confident, but then when you give me the, oh, why are you talking about this guy? I'm
1: like, what does Andy think here? So I looked at my list and immediately, sure. um, well, I should tell you and everybody as we listen to go through these, just a little background. So the way I do my list to start yeah, is I basically go to like six websites that have mm-hmm. that do draft pre-draft rankings at this time. Yep. And I try to meld them all into one to try to get like a consensus or collaborative. Collaborative. List. Yeah. yeah um of guys so I I look down and he's number two in the edge category based on my research okay so are you envisioning the Patriots taking a potential edge player in the first round no not the first
3: round maybe maybe second round second round third round that third pick potentially maybe they do a little trade up I don't know let's get nuts and I mean again they they have those three holes and that's why it's one defender and I'm getting crap for it. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> he's a guy who I look at the defensive line, right? And it's great. And it was one of their best units last year. And it's DeMarcus Covington's thing now, but Judon, you don't know what's going to happen with him. You might lose out on Josh Uche. You don't know what's going to happen with Anthony Jennings. He's obviously a linebacker more so than a DN, but they kind of all play those, you know, those positions out there. And if you're going to go get a guy to bear, pair up with Keon white as a defensive end, I go with Latu. He's a guy who's impressed this week. Um, and I just—he's ripping it up at the Senior Bowl so far. And so, if you're going to go D end, if you're going to go defense with one of those top three picks, this is the guy I have my eyes on.
1: Is there a lot to like about him? Man, you're good at this. When we did the <laughs> when not we really. did the,
3: when we did the Shrine Bowl thing with Kyrie on Monday, he was like, "I did not miss Andy's dad joke." So, uh, yeah, that's that's hey. good stuff. And it's uh, yeah, so that's kind of where we're at. Any cool. any other wrap up things on the uh, on the prospects here?
1: Well, and I do. I- so as we just throw a teaser out there for the Six Rings feed, we are going to be doing. Um, I know Shime and I, and I kind of invited you. You're happy to take part in summer. Yep. All of them. We'll be doing individual positional podcasts for each Correct. position, where we'll talk about, you know, for example, the edge players. We'll talk about the top guys, the mid tier guys, the bottom tier guys, depth guys. Um, I am going to probably struggle this pre draft season as we do more of these podcasts and analysis mm-hmm. to think about defense to look at deep yeah. like i am going to be so fixated because i think i could throw tight end into the mix not knowing they have nothing at tight end if they right. don't franchise or sign hunter henry or whatever like so i could add tight end to the wide receiver tackle qb mix that Mayo's already talked about i am going to be fixating and yeah. and so it'll be good i this is your uh, homework assignment to help me help Check. myself help me help you help me um Defense is part of it, too. You have picks like there's going to be later round picks. You can't ignore the defense. Um, Now, I don't know if I'd be for using a day one or even maybe a day two pick on defense. I kind of like the inverse of last year. I'd like to go offense, offense, offense um, with the early picks. But I do think that's good that we acknowledge. And, And then also, I'm a big believer even though it worked out for them back in the day, when I think they took Ty Warren as like the fifth defensive tackle off the board in the top 12 picks in the draft. um, Don't force it just because I want a starting tackle in the second round. If nine tackles go and you say, well, those, all the tackles that are really starting caliber just went right. Don't take the 10th tackle, take Mm -hmm. the D end that that fell down the board or take the corner that fell down the board, whatever. So that's going to be a challenge that I deal with as we work through this process. But yeah, I, um, it, when Do you have the uh, details of the Senior Bowl so I can put it in my calendar? When exactly? The game is on
3: Saturday. Uh, what time? I want to say like 3 o'clock, but I'm not 100%
1: sure. Right after the Fitzy and Hart program on Weei.
3: It is uh, Reese's Senior Bowl, Mobile, Alabama. And the game is on February 3rd. And our website does not have a time. <laughs> what time is the Senior Bowl? <laughs> 2024, Google. 1 p.m. Okay, so
1: during the Fitzy and Hart program, so, so throw it on know, in the you, old studio. Yeah, you can, and and the listeners can put the TV on the Senior Bowl and put Fitzy Hart in the background talking cool. Patriots and all else. And we'll set up a Catholic call-in for Saturday too, and we'll
3: we'll clip that and we'll get that whole thing going. We'll talk some Senior Bowl on Saturday. I'll text y'all and we'll figure that out. So that's not a bad idea it's not a bad idea. So we are rocking and rolling here on six rings with our draft coverage ahead of one of the most important off seasons for the new England Patriots.
1: Yes. I would like to just say before you close this out yes. that, um, since we're doing these every Wednesday yep, and we are kind of going off the one-off theme where we're going to look at a certain topic area thing, yep. um, people can jump on the, uh, six rings, um, uh, pod Twitter feed, or just tweet at us, yeah uh, jumbo heart whatever with ideas if there's topics things you might want us to delve into in the coming weeks because there's a lot of franchise talk free agency draft all the various issues that are going to be coming up on the calendar if you have ideas shoot those out to us and uh and then tell a friend to uh, listen as well we're trying to grow the six rings um family and audience yeah. in, the, in the off season here so uh it's a big off season with lots of some would argue, and I would be one of these. It's a more interesting off season than it was a season this year. So uh, now's the time to talk Patriots and bandy about Patriots idea, and everything's on the table. All the old school, like dated thinking of Ah oh, Bill would never do that. Well, Bill's not around anymore. You exactly. don't exactly so trading up, trading down, picking, picking a quarter like all trading up to gonna, the first pick. Like everything, it's all on the table. So don't let your Patriot friend who's a cynic tell you no this no the patriots do things those patriots are dead and buried it's a whole new era of six rings and the patriots i love it
3: and you're right let's like tweet us your ideas follow along follow the socials at six rings pod twitter instagram we're talking all things patriots i like that too bringing ideas we'll do we'll do live mock drafts we'll do live mailbags we'll do you know senior shrine bowl combine all of it. we're going to touch it all this offseason. so again make sure to follow along rate review subscribe Listen on the Odyssey app, Six Rings, and Football Things. Uh, this was another edition of One Off Wednesday. We'll be back next week, and again, like you like you said, really, we're just kind of going forward as far as you know, interesting different topics as the weeks go on. So we don't have necessarily an idea yet, but regardless, we'll be back here on Wednesday. So if you think of anything good, make sure again to tweet at myself at Mike Catholic at Jumbo Heart at Fitzy Gfy, and uh, we'll bring it all to you as often as we can. We'll go live every Wednesday, and we'll go from there with other things. So. Shrine Bowl, Senior Bowl this week. Shrine Bowl, we spoke with Kyrie Thompson from WBUR who was down there on Monday. You can go check that out on the episode, that episode out on the feed on YouTube. And uh, Shrine Bowl Thursday, Senior Bowl Saturday. So, ton of Patriots stuff, Patriots news to get to. So, uh, again, follow along and listen in. So, thanks for joining us today, and uh, we will see you next week here on One Off Wednesday. Andy and Fitz, who will be back later in the week for another episode of Six Rings as well.